Blog Talk Radio. Hi, everyone. Welcome to the Born to Talk Radio Show. I'm your host, Marsha Waiteka. Conversations plus connections equals community. Those are my three C's. The heart of my show is what's your story? It's my belief we all have stories. Some are similar, others are uniquely different. Storytelling brings the passions of my guests to life through our conversations. So be prepared to be entertained, informed, and inspired. Welcome to today's show. Well, hello, everybody. And I must tell you, this is a very special show for me on many levels. First and foremost, I am broadcasting my 250th episode of the Born to Talk radio show. I started in the L.A. Talk Live studios uh, in April 13, 2015, and then I moved over as a podcaster in March of 2018, and I just couldn't be happier. There could not be a show without guests, and today I couldn't pick a more dynamic guest to celebrate with me than my guest, Mimi Donaldson. Welcome to the show, Mimi. Oh, thank you, Marcia. Thanks for having me. Oh, it's my pleasure. For those of you, sometimes people wonder how I I go about getting 250 shows worth of guests, and I just would like you to all know that Mimi and I met through our very special connection with someone very special to me, Chad Mender. He's the VP of Memberships of the L.A. Coastal Chamber of Commerce, and he said, Marcia, you've got to meet Mimi because you're going to love her, and he was so right. So I, I am, I do. And I just let you, I'd like you to all know that Mimi is a speaker coach, she's a keynote speaker, and she is an author. And I thought, Mimi, how we might start this show is to get to know you. I feel like I want to sing that, that song, that Mamas and Papas song, <laughs> like to get to know you. Yes, I would. So, but I don't, I'm not going to sing. So if you could just please tell us a little bit about your very interesting background. Oh, thanks, Marsha. Well, I want to be a role model to people when I'm on this show because I talk about speaking and how it's important. So I'm going to try to do this concisely and not ramble on. So the most important things for people to know is, and they all connect, (laughs) is that I started out wanting to be a Broadway star. My parents, we lived in Chicago, and they took me to see My Fair Lady when I was five. And I got the album and wore out the grooves in the old LP. And by the time I was in high school, I was starring in My Fair Lady. And then I went to drama school because I was going to be a Broadway star. Now, after University of Iowa, I did go to London and I studied drama. I came back and went to one audition on Broadway and thought, oh, I hate this. I... (laughs) I do not want to wait to be chosen. Oh, audition. The very word is the opposite of entrepreneur, isn't it? Mm -hmm. Auditioning. So I went to Columbia Teachers College, became a teacher uh, at Columbia, and then from teaching went into uh, human resources because that's teaching adults in companies. And then somebody said, you're so funny, you should do a keynote. And I said, what's a keynote? And then I became a keynote speaker, and then um, someone said, your speech is so good, can you help me with mine? And I said, sure. So that was the beginning of speech coaching. So it's kind of been a straight line. I mean, it's interesting, but it's not as interesting as somebody who started out to be a baker and ended up being a doctor. I mean, I didn't have that big of a... (laughs) Switcheroo. It's always speaking. It's always about the word. That's so interesting. I, I'm always fascinated how people get on their journey. If you were to ask me, Marcia, <laughs> I, you say you're born to talk. Did that just? Is that a recent uh, revelation? <laughs> uh, no, uh, that's not. A no, what would no, you that say? Was, you know, Mimi. I was that kid in school 
that got the use in cooperation and work habits because I couldn't keep my mouth shut. Oh, and then I, did, I would have I to... Have you, yes, I got a C in conduct, I remember. And my mother was really upset and because I couldn't stop talking in class. Wait, the way we got it was we got <laughs> E for excellent, S for satisfactory, U for unsatisfactory, and that dis- that, did, that didn't describe our grade as like if we were doing uh, uh, A work in math. It described your, right. your work habits, and then I would get yes. these U's, right, and then I would bring my report card home, and then my folks would yell at me, and I would always say, it wasn't my fault. The guy in front of me started talking to me, and I always got caught. <laughs> it's like, oh, right. Try to believe that one, would you? So that's that's the that's the God's truth. But this show is about you, right, and not so my use and unsatisfactory. Of oh. born to talk. I understand. You sure do. Um, you know, you mentioned something, and I know we're going to be talking about several different subjects today. We're definitely going to be talking about your books. We're definitely going to be talking about what it means to be a speaker because you coach speaking. But you said something at the very top that I would just like to have identified for me because I don't really know the, I, I don't know the definition. So you said for people that want to be keynote speakers, what is what is the definition of a keynote speaker? Ah, okay. Well, it's kind of a moot point now because we're not having conferences. But okay. in the old days, and, and they will come back again, perhaps, I always say keynote speaking used to be you were hired for 45 minutes in front of a big crowd like Johnson & Johnson would have their annual sales meeting. And the speak, keynote speaker would have a general session and all 15,000 people would be there. But then they would have breakout sessions and those were more not as seasoned speakers and not as famous speakers. So those would do breakout sessions. And if anyone's been at a conference, you know what those are like. And mm-hmm. so you used to get the big bucks for keynote speaker. And they would have the celebrity keynote speaker on a full conference to get the butts in the seats. And then they'd have people like me who are just very good speakers, not celebrity worldwide known, but good speakers. And then they would pay them too. So that's how I made my living as a keynote speaker until, you know, I didn't want to do that as much as coaching. And now I always say the new keynote speeches are TED Talk. And I know we'll, we'll talk about those later, but I've had 14 of my clients on the TEDx stage because it's, you don't get paid, they don't pay you, but you get this amazing tape that could go viral and you get a whole new career or you sell your book or you expand your consulting business. It's better than keynoting, TED, TED Talk is. That's really interesting, and I know we're going to get more into that. So thank you for that definition. What I thought we could start talking about is your books. So first of all, how many books have you you published, have you written? I've written four books, and the first three were all about courses that I taught at Inhuman Resources and when I first started my business. So the first book was Negotiating for Dummies, and it was a a dummies book, a Mm -hmm. big seller. And I taught negotiation in the workplace between employers and vendors and employers and employees and negotiating. And the second book was about stress management because I've taught stress management for so long. It was called Bless Your Stress, It Means You're Still Alive, which is a great (laughs) title. Titles Mm -hmm. are everything. Yep. And then the third book was about football because women, uh, I was teaching assertiveness to women since the 80s. And then women would say, oh, I don't like football. It's too rough. And I would say, well, you know, you're using all the lessons of football when you're, when you're owning your own business. So, and I just kept watching football because I loved it so much. This was in 2010. And I thought, Gosh, I'm taking all these notes. When I take notes on something, whether it's life or a lecture that moves me or a TV show or a football game, if I have more than 19 little daytimer pages in a folder, it's going to be a book. 
And it's kind of a blessing and a curse because you think, oh, darn, it's not an article. It's too long. Oh, I think it's a book. So the third book was called Necessary Roughness, New Rules for the Contact Sport of Life. And it's really an advanced assertiveness course for women. And I tell them it's time to get your knuckles in the dirt and kind of not want to be liked all the time. It's it's really good. And it uses football lesson, life lesson, football lesson, life lesson. And so that's a fun book. And in 2015, my last, my most recent book is the one you're talking about, Pitch Perfect, Speak to Grow Your Business in Seven Simple Steps. Because everybody is always asked the question, what do you do? And so if you work for someone else or you work for, your, for yourself, you, you have to say something. And it's better not to start out with, um, well, it's better to start out with a sentence. <laughs> I mean, well, um, is okay, but it wastes time. Mm-hmm. And really, if people are interested, you want to keep them interested. And so it's really important. So I wrote this book. I quote a lot of my clients in it because I work with, business owners to answer the question, what do you do? And there, it could be a 30-second answer. It could be a little tiny elevator answer, or it could be in front of a chamber, like you and I go to a chamber and the speaker has to speak for 20 to 40 minutes. And so, like, what do you say? And so that's what fascinated me. And so I would help my friends even when I was getting keynote money and then pretty soon I just wanted to help my friends. And I didn't get on planes anymore. I didn't want to. <laughs> you know, Mimi, because you and I have come to know each other on a personal level, I'm visualizing uh, what you said about your notes. Because what oh. I've come to know about you is you I'm are most definitely a note taker. Oh, I and am. You are, and what I heard you say is when it gets to a certain number of notes, hello, yes. that could be a book. And oh, it's, it's interesting, yeah, it's really interesting about how people begin to write books. Um, and I, I think that that's really tremendously fascinating. And I also think you are funny, that there's no doubt about that, and you are very clever. So, when you talk about the titles of your book, yeah, that's yeah. not by mistake. That's already oh, no, it, it's sort well right. They come to me in the middle of the night, and I that's get it. the the horrible part about realizing you're going to write a book is that you wake up at three in the morning with something that you have to write down. And I've been doing that since I was a keynote speaker because titles have come to me in the middle of the night and now what comes to me in the middle of the night are my clients titles and my clients opening sentence and my clients example sentence that we couldn't quite make work and at three o'clock in the morning I get up and the pad of paper is next to me and I start writing I wrote all my books at five in the morning putting the notes together because that's when I have thinking time. That's when I, my brain starts up. That's really interesting because it's, it's lovely to have a book, but it's also, it feels like a burden and I'm so excited about it until I realize I'm writing it. And then the sleeplessness starts. Get it. Do you do you ever, because of the modern technology we have, I feel like I'm going to already know uh-huh. this answer too, do you ever just pull out your phone, bring up notes, put on the microphone, and just start talking rather than writing? No. Okay. Uh, no. I, no. Your pen, I, your pen I, to paper. I pen to paper and I read out loud as I write. As I write, I ha- I read it out loud because I have to. I'm an auditory learner. You're Me right. Too. But I, I'm not an auditory uh, book writer. I I write something down and and I'll aloud as I write. Whoa, that's 
and that's, then that's, yeah. that's a gem. That's a real gem for anybody that's thinking about writing a book themselves. That's beautiful what you just said, and uh, I think that that really says a lot, particularly for people like you and me that tend to be auditory people. Well, and I love what, what you people, What people want when they buy your book or listen to your podcast, they want your voice. Mm-hmm. They, could, they could look up in Wikipedia things that aren't your voice. They could look up your subject matter. You could go to Wikipedia and put in public speaking and read about it. But the first words of my book, chapter one, there you are in an elevator, in a grocery store line. These are all short sentences. On the sidelines of a kid's soccer field, someone turns to you and asks, so what do you do? What do you say? Do their eyes light up or glaze over? If they glaze over, I can help with that. That's what this book is all about. That's how I start my book because that's how I talk. You're absolutely right. And I think it's um, I think it's a question. I can tell you, I'll just speak for me and not for anybody else. <laughs> it's certainly a question that comes out of my mouth at any given moment whether I am walking in the middle of the street and I'm waving to a total stranger, like last week, yep. man sitting on his porch, We've ke- we're keeping our total social distance, <laughs> I'm, he's rocking on his, on his porch, we get the conversation going, he just lives a couple blocks from me, he lives on a street that I have friends that live on, and trust me, within the first few minutes, I said to him, I could tell by his age that he may or may not still be working. I said, are you still working? And he said, no, I'm retired. And I said, what did you used to do? And he said, well, I was a professional photographer. Oh, my God, really? Where do we start? Because now I'm I'm in love. And it's like, well, what kind of photographer? So you're, you're absolutely right, especially I do think it's important when people ask, what do you do? if they're not just being polite. If you really want to know right. what somebody does, then I think people get that. Do you would you agree or do you think that's just making a polite well, conversation? No, they they and you can tell whether they want two words, what do you do? I'm a speech coach. Oh. Or whether they want a sentence, I help people answer the question, what do you do? So that their first words aren't um well, that makes them laugh. Or whether they say in a networking group you have 30 seconds. And then you can stand up and actually do your pitch. But you'll, you'll know by the tone of voice. Yes. You'll know whether it's like you asked the guy and he said photographer. But he just said two things, professional photographer. That's cool. Mm-hmm. And then you ask him follow-up questions. Right. Right. And that's so what do, you, what do you say to someone? I'm a, I'm a Toastmaster, so I have a little bit of background in right. speaking. But how do you, what do you say to someone that's very nervous about speaking in front of a group? Oh, you mean they tell you they're nervous? Well, I'm just... going to admit that. Do how you think I that that's true? Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah, because, like, for instance, in the elevator, when someone mm-hmm. asks what I do, I always start with, you know how some people, I don't say you, you know how you, I wouldn't say, you know how you are nervous in front of a group of people. No, I say, you know how some people are nervous when they have to talk in front of a group, and the person goes, oh, yeah, me, or, oh, not me, but my wife, mm-hmm. or, no, not me, but my sister. And then you say, I help with that. And then they go, really? What is it you do? And I say, I'm a speech coach. And they go, really? Do you have a card? And then, boom, you're off the elevator. Right. (laughs) So in the elevator, you can't, like, go, you know how when people, when you speak in front of a room, you're nervous and you didn't No, you can't do all that. You can't do, I'm Amy Donaldson. I'm a speech coach. I was trained in human resources. You can't do all that. The elevator is simply matching their energy, and usually they're very low energy. People are watching the numbers. Mm-hmm. They're not like you and me right now. They okay. are going, 
they're just low energy. What do you do? What do you do? And they usually are looking at a name tag on me. Mm-hmm. And it says Mimi Dallas. And they go, what do you do? And I say, you know how people love their business, but they don't love speaking about it? And they go, yeah. And I go, I help with that. And they go, really? So whatever your business is, you start out with you know how. And the reason I do that is because I'm a comedian. This is a golden age of comedy. Everybody's so sophisticated. I'm watching Netflix comedy specials at night. I'm mm-hmm. not, I don't end the night with watching the news because I can't. I have to end with laughing. So mm-hmm. I've been really into these comedy specials. And people are so sophisticated now. We're in a golden age of comedy. We have a whole channel. We have Comedy Central. We have Netflix. Back. We got all this stuff. And if you say you know how, people go, oh, it's going to be funny. Oh, she's going to say something I can identify with because that's what it means. Mm-hmm. You know how? It is a really and good so opening. It's a great opening because it gets people to participate with you. That's what you want. You want them to ask you. You don't want to be foisting it on them. You don't want them to go, whoa, wait a minute. I didn't ask for your life story. Mm -hmm. That's like the opposite of what you want. Mm -hmm. And so if you say you know how, and it works for every, every profession. I have lots of clients in the financial business. And they say, you know how some people are more afraid of running out of money than running out of life? You know, they're afraid they'll outlive their money. And they go, yeah. And you say, I help with that. I have people of all walks of life. I have jewelry designers who take a look at the person that asks, what do you do? And say, you know how we love jewelry if the person's wearing jewelry. And the person says, yeah. And, the per- and my client says, I make one-of-a-kind pieces. <gasps> really? You know, then they're interested. Give me your card. So it's just something that is your, that you, it's a problem that you answer. It's the problem you answer. You know how you're nervous to speak in front of a group? I help with that. That's terrific. So when people are going to get up on a stage, you have to prepare or can you just wing it? Oh, God, it's my favorite question. We don't even have that on the thing. No. Oh, yeah, we do. Like I wrote, we do? I didn't mm-hmm. see it. I, we have, I, have a whole, <laughs> I did a whole blog post on winging it. Don't wing it. Okay, so preparing, Ben Franklin was the first one who said it, because I always quote people at the beginning of every chapter of a book. I love quotes, as you, everybody loves quotes. So Benjamin Franklin said, by failing to prepare, you are preparing to fail. So you've heard it said, planning, plan, you plan to fail. And you've heard it in different ways. Right. But if you you say, I wing it, I trust myself, then you're trusting your mind to speak in a linear fashion that your audience is going to smile and nod and hang on every word. What if that doesn't work? Right. Because when people say they're going to wing it, then I know they're thinking about themselves, not the audience. Communicating, speaking, is not about you. You're not speaking in a mirror. If you're delivering in a mirror, then you could be nervous. You could check your hair. You could check your eye makeup. You could do all that. But you're not. You're speaking to people. What do they want to hear? How do they want to hear it? What question are they asking in their minds? So when you wing it, it's all about you. It's all about, well, I want to say this, and I want to say that, and I know my material, and I, no, really, no. Prepare about your audience. How do they want to hear it? The first thing out of your mouth has to be lead with their need. That's the whole basis for the elevator speech. You lead with a need that your business answers wow so you know how you're nervous and to speak in front of a group and they go yeah or my sister-in-law and i go i help with that so you lead with a need that they can go oh yeah you got my need yeah you got the oh it's cool 
you don't really, I, I, Mimi Donaldson, I have a master's degree from Columbia. Do they <laughs> care? Do they care? We don't know if they care. I well, mean, a, I don't know. Right. I, I think what, what's apparent and obvious is that that isn't what's, that isn't the message you want them to hear. If they want to know where you went to college, they can they can Google you. But what well, you say... Sometimes, sometimes it helps. I mean, mm-hmm. if I'm speaking in front of 1,500 PhDs, which I have done, I make mm-hmm. sure the introducer talks about my master's degree from Columbia University. A lot of people could care less. When I was teaching at Northrop Aircraft and Human Resources, those guys could have cared less about my master's. They want to know, do I know what they're facing supervising assembly line workers? Do do I know what they're facing? Mm -hmm. And that's what everybody wants to know. So you owe it to your listener to prepare. Owe it. You can have your stories. You know, it doesn't have to be word for word. You can just. Have your points and have your stories, but make sure the order in which you say them is something that your audience is going to be with you every step of the way and nod and smile every sentence. You want nodding and smiling because that means they're with you. You know, it's, it's, it's funny you should say that. As I mentioned <laughs> at the top of the show, when I first started doing my, my show, I was in a studio, and my shows were visual as well as audio. It was still Internet, mm. but that's how it was. And when mm-hmm. I would go back and rewatch those shows, and many of them are on YouTube, I would watch myself because I was critiquing, how, you know, what could sure. I have done better or whatever. Sure. And I would say, oh, my God, she's a freaking bobblehead. Look at her. And I'm talking about me. Every yeah. and and my head was just like it's it's an unspoken way of saying I am paying attention. You are I am actively listening no, to you. It's, it's great. Listeners love that. When you're nodding when you're nodding, they love that. Talk communicators love that. Yeah, that's what you want when you're speaking to people. You want them nodding and smiling. I, I I agree. I I I gave up on being so hard on myself about being a bobblehead <laughs> because I realized what that meant. Because many 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 years ago, I remember taking a course on active listening, which right. for somebody that loves to talk all the time, um, right. it's it's nice if maybe I tried listening now and then. And <laughs> I well, what can I say? And I taught and active I, listening too. You know, you teach what you most need to learn. Is like what they say. Oh, that's so. I taught active listening too. That's very interesting. Well, this was back in my volunteer PTA days when you did community work, oh. and I was a leader. I, I I was a parent leader back in those eighties, nineties, and I I came to realize that yes, if someone is speaking, whether it's at a conference or it's a PTA meeting or wherever you might be, if you are truly listening, it's very difficult, frankly, not to nod, nod your head. And also, you could also pay attention if somebody's up and down, turns to side to side because boogie means ah, I don't, I don't buy that. You know that right. I don't really agree with that. So it's great to be observant to all of that and. I think that that's why why when you say you know how is such an incredible way of oh, engaging your people. Beginning. When you it's when you think beginning. about women in business cuz clearly you yeah. know you're you are a woman in business, why do you yeah. think it's so important for women to speak to grow their business careers? Well, women have gotten a bad rap as far as using too many words. I mean, it, it is researched. Um, women use about 25,000 words a day. Men use about 15,000. I mean, that's like research. Okay. However, and that was a big part of my book, Necessary Roughness, in order to get people's attention or to get them to do what you want them to do or to get them to buy your product or service, you need to talk to them in the way they understand it. 
So it's important for women to break the stereotype of going on and on and on and just get to the point. I used to have a, an old boss in the 80s. It was okay to say to a woman, um, skip the delivery, just give me the baby. I mean, hmm. that was okay. We all giggled. Mm-hmm. I mean, we knew he didn't mean any harm. Mm-hmm. I didn't take it. Yeah, I didn't want to dwell on that point. But spare me the delivery, just give me the baby, was his way of saying, just cut to the chase. Give me the bottom line. So it's more important than ever for women to prepare and to be as terse as possible and to not use filler words like, um, well, to learn the power of the pause. You notice I don't say, um. I listen to my listener because speaking is not just bah, 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 bah. I want to say here, I'm saying this to you. It's like speaking, the speaker says to the listener, I got you. Here's your need, right? And the listener goes, yeah, I got that you got me. And then the speaker says, I got that you got that I got you. And it goes. So between each thing, and that's cool that you look back at your at your shows, because you're going to watch how you reacted and you're going to listen to how the audience reacted. I, my beginning speeches when I was a keynoter, I, can't, I audio taped every single speech and I'd come home and listen back. And I didn't listen to me, I listened to them. Because if they went, <laughs> or if they went, ooh, or if they went, ah, then I went, ooh, wait, what did I say? Why did they respond? Mm-hmm. Oh, cool. I'll say it that way. Oh, that's a good way to say it. And so I even prepared even more for the 50th speech than I did for the first speech. You had background. Oh, prepare. You had information. Prepare. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. That's, you know, it's, you made words matter. I mean, oh. anyone that knows anything about me and follows me on social media knows that I post a word every single morning at 8.30. I call the word today oh, is. excellent. Every single day. I keep a spreadsheet because I'm a little fanatical. So it's, it's, the spreadsheet is by chronological order of the word, the second column is alpha by the word, because God forbid I should repeat a word. And today's <laughs> word, I'm not kidding, today's the insight into my brain, today's word was, called, was energetic, because I knew that that described you so beautifully. Yep. And instead of using my own interpretation of the word, I will quote the rich and famous to the unknown, whoever that person might be that uses that word in their sentence. And I think that words... Are, when you say learn the power of the pause and learn how to speak and to tend to deliver our messages, words really do matter. And that doesn't happen overnight. That's why they have people like you no. that coach people to speak. And I would imagine yeah. that the same thing must happen when you talk to any business entrepreneur, right? They, they all want that same information, don't they? Right. And they need to speak in an order. And how this works is there's an order to it, but you'll love this quote. I love quotes. So the beginning of every chapter is a quote, and this one's after page 51 because I know you have the book because I gave you my book. So this is in the Pitch Perfect book, and it's a quote from Aldous Huxley. And I love Aldous Huxley. He was such a cool guy. And he said about words, words form the thread on which we string our experiences. Hmm. So in other words, yeah, I knew you'd love that quote because you're such a word person. Words form the thread on which we string our experiences. Words really shape you. And people judge you from your words. So if you're going to make an impact, especially as a woman, weigh out your words carefully. Be frugal with your words. Break the stereotype of running on and on. 
and just really pick the words that are going to really speak and bring a reaction from your listener. That's really good information. And I'm thinking about, I've, I've spoken on a stage before, not often, mm-hmm. and I've also participated in Toastmaster contests where they are really measuring those filler words and the, and the power of the pause, which I think <laughs> is so important. The power of the pause mm-hmm. is so important that once you start hearing that and now that you've said it and people are listening to that and then they're going to watch the nightly news or they're going to watch whatever they're watching mm-hmm. on television. You mentioned that you don't watch the news. But whatever people oh, are watching, it watch could – you oh, just don't I go to bed with it. Right. Oh, not, That's not right. right before I go to bed. No, 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 no. Right. Right. So when I, and I misquoted you. Yeah. Right. But it could be anybody that's speaking. It could be the comedian. It could be yes. that very serious story. And that pause, which, first of all, frankly, allows you to take a deep breath, which for type A people like myself, that alone mm-hmm. is is valuable because it allows me to just bring those shoulders back down to where they're supposed to be and not up there by my eardrums. So taking right. that pause is certainly very, very important. And, and then it allows your mind to re-register and think about what you want to say next. You know, my father used to say this to me all the time. Like I told you, I've been talking forever. I tell people I was talking before I was walking. My father would say to me, engage your gears before you engage your mouth. Wow, that's, that's cool. That's what, I, that's what I grew up hearing. Engage your, well, I, engage I, your I gears before thing. you engage your mouth. Yes, I tell people, not just women, I say listen to yourself. Listen to yourself as the words are coming out of your mouth. You'd be surprised how many people don't. Yeah, I think they and that could be a combination of I have so much to say to I'm so nervous. So if I just keep talking, I won't be so nervous. And so there's a combination of that. I'm just thinking about process. I'm a process person. And when you're oh, yes, we, we share that. So I am always interested in knowing processes. I guess what I'm asking is, what what is the process, particularly for someone that's really afraid to speak and they don't really even know how to get things in order? How do you advise them to do that so they can get over their fear? Well, this is my whole this my whole business is founded on that principle, because people say, "Well, don't you just wing it? Don't you just answer the customers' questions?" And I go, "Actually, no. If there is." You are answering their questions, but you have to have a presentation, and it is a process. So the subtitle of my book, Pitch Perfect, is Speak to Grow Your Business in Seven Simple. The process is the seven steps, and the first step goes first, and the last step, which is the call to action, the closing, that goes last. And in between, there's a way that people want to hear it, and how you know they want to hear it is that I've had 35 years in front of people, and that's what I taught them. I first taught this at um, Northrop because Northrop, the woman came from New York and taught us this formula. And it's what all the Fortune 500 companies used for presenting an informational update or presenting a sales pitch, or there's the same order. There's seven steps, and they answer the question in the listener's mind. Oh, for instance, the first question the listener is asking is, why should I listen to you? What's in it for me? Right? Mm-hmm. Isn't that what everybody's saying? They're not saying, well, if it's a celebrity, I spoke on the stage with lots of celebrities. And celebrities could get away with telling their story because people are really looking at them and saying, ooh, what's your story? You know, because you're a celebrity. Mm-hmm. And you're getting paid, you know, thousands of dollars to do the speech. But most people are not celebrities. Like you and me and people that I work with are business owners. And the person who's looking at them wants to know, why should I listen to you? What's in it for me? 
In other words, you have to lead with their need. Got lead it. with their need. Why in a short presentation you'd say you know how. Even in a longer presentation, you know how. Uh, even for a longer one. But it's a, it's the need. You've got to answer their needs so that they uncross their arms. You know how they got their arms crossed? What, yep. Hey, wait, why should I listen to you? What's in it for me? you got to get them to uncross their arms, lean forward, and say, oh, okay, you got me. What's your solution for my need? What's your solving my problem? What's your solution? And then so you, would that be you your say, second you step? Yeah, that's the second step. Most people lead mm-hmm. with that. Hi, I'm Amy Donaldson. I'm a speech coach, and I help you create a perfect marketing speech so that people will come up to you afterwards and say, I think I need you. So sometimes I have to do it like that. Mm-hmm. But that's not really what they're, they're saying. And what I like to do is like, is like this. You know how when you're asked to speak, you're not jumping up and down? You know, I start with you know how. You know how mm-hmm. some people don't like speaking about their business, but they love their business? I'm Mimi Donaldson. I'm your speech coach. I help you craft your marketing speech. So I, the step two is the I'm Mimi Donaldson part. Step one mm-hmm. is you have a need and it might make them giggle. Like <laughs> when I was given 30 seconds years ago when I started actually charging money for coaching. Mm-hmm. Because I used to do it with my friends for free. So when I started charging money, I would get these, I would go to these networking groups and they give you 30 seconds. And you stand up. And my favorite one was Does the thought of speaking in front of a group like this for more than 30 seconds make you sweat and keep you up at night? People would start to <laughs> smile. I'd say, do you, do you suspect you may be boring? People would laugh out loud. Have you always wanted to make people laugh? I'm Mimi Donaldson, your speech coach. Together, we'll use my 30 years of experience, keynote speaking in front of audiences of thousands, which you don't have to do, to create your perfect marketing speech. And we'll find the funny, because when people are laughing, they're buying. That was my 30-second speech. I swear to God, people came up and absolutely booked me for money after Mm -hmm. 30 seconds. Wow. Which was weird to me because I offer a 30-minute call, and I expect you to ask questions, and I expect my, me to have to prove my worth. And, but sometimes the 30-second speech is all you need because I demonstrated, number one, that I can make people laugh so I can help you make people laugh. Number two, I was really organized. I always came in under 30 seconds so that I can teach you to follow the direction and really make it concise. I demonstrated everything I needed to teach you that I do that. I can see why you're effective. And you I want to in my credibility, which is step three. Step three which they, is they look up and mm-hmm. say, well, why you? Wait a second. You got my problem. I know you're a speech coach. That's my solution to marketing speech. But why you? Aren't there a bunch of speech coaches out there? Aren't there a bunch of financial people out there? Why would I give my money to you? Mm -hmm. Then you need to pull out your most famous thing. Mm -hmm. And my most famous thing is that I was in front of live audiences, biggest audience, 17,000 people. Now would you like to get a speech from that person? Or do you want somebody (laughs) who says they can help you write your speech, but they've never been in front of thousands of people? Right. So that's my most famous thing. But it doesn't have to be your most famous thing. What if you just started out? What if you had one client? Well, it's anything that will make your eyes sparkle. That's your credibility. I took a business. One of my people said I took a business from um, five digits to seven digits, you know, the profits. and didn't. So they, they recalled a great client. I have a fitness person who owns a gym, and she said when she came to me, she was 100 pounds overweight, and she wouldn't even interview for a job because she didn't want to buy a big suit. And when we worked together for, yeah, for two months, she had bought a beautiful suit, half the size, you know, 
and she wanted six sizes smaller. She was only three sizes smaller, but she got a great job. Hmm. I mean, That's it's like she had this great story. So you can tell your most famous thing, but notice in seconds to tell. Okay. It doesn't go on and on. Okay. So, yeah, the right order is so important. Steps one, two, and three are just key. Here's your need. Here's my solution. Here's why I'm the one. That's steps one, two, and three. Great. You know, while I'm thinking about this, because maybe people are listening going, dang, she must have a website. (laughs) So I really do want to make sure that people know how to find you because maybe they don't spell Donaldson correctly. So just so that those of you that are listening out there are listening, and I'll make sure that this is included in the follow-up, Mimi, so that people will have an access to this. But it's Mimi at MimiDonaldson.com. And the the Mimi is M-I-M-I, like you would think. The Donaldson is D-O-N-A-L-D-S-O-N, Donaldson. Like you would think. Exactly, and you are easily accessible, and I know that you offer people to call in and perhaps take advantage of just getting to know you a little bit because I know that that's just how you do business, and I think that you know people will want to, especially today, I mean, our form of communicating has changed so dramatically. We're all doing Zoom, whether you're that's doing right. it with your family whether you're doing it as you and I did with our with our um, uh, chamber of commerce, granted it's a little bit different in that you've got you know the Brady bunch up in front of you and then people are all talking so you got to mute people and there's there's a right. lot that goes into these zooms, but if this is the way and I know the zoom isn't the other only way I know that that there are plenty of other business practices where people are conducting interviews and all kinds of things um, in a new way. But what doesn't change is your ability to connect, to determine what the problem is, what the solution might be, and why you, whomever you are, has the credibility and background to solve it. And I know that there's there's more to this, and I just think that it's important that people that are interested you know, people, not, not everybody knows about the definitions of certain words. I asked you what keynote means. You mentioned at the top of the hour, because I didn't know this, and I want to make sure I understood this correctly because I may have misunderstood okay. you. When someone does a TED Talk, they are not paid to do that? Oh, no. Oh, God, I didn't. I never knew that. Oh, yeah. used to be 15, 20 years ago when it started, like they were searching hungry for TED Talkers. And that's when they booked the Brene Brown, who was a professor at University of Arizona, and she got booked for her, you know, speech. Because it's just, they don't, they tape you in front of a live audience and with their camera crew, and they make it gorgeous, TED people. Now TED is only in London, New York, and Stockholm. Now they have something called TEDx, and TEDx is every community can, can get national guidelines and put on your own TEDx, and you get the community to sponsor it. I was the TEDx coach for Loyola Marymount University's TEDx. I was just going to ask had, you about that. Okay. Yeah, and they had people sponsoring. So, but it's fabulous because now in the old days you had to make a tape if you wanted to be a speaker you had to pour out money to make your own videotape and send it out and then you had to you know do all these song and dance things now you just have to do a TEDx talk you've got the video you want to grow your business you want to write a book Brene Brown became a super famous she didn't have to be a professor anymore. She wrote a book. Her thing went viral, and she's the most watched TED Talk ever, still, now. I, and now she has a Netflix special. Oh, my gosh. Brene, B-R-E-N-E. I quote her Brene. all the time. Yes. And what I, did, what I did not know till just now is yeah. that she was at U of A, which is where my son yep. and daughter-in-law both work. So well, she, I at, think. Don't quote me on that. It might have been okay. Arizona State. I'm not really. Okay. A, an All expert, right. I'll, I'll look she, that up. 
You'll look yes. her up. But I will. she literally, they begged her because, now, and nowadays they still, at Loyola Marymount, they had to find 10 speakers. So some were professors, some were, you know, people in the community. We live right next to Silicon Beach here. Microsoft, right. we had a person from there. We, you know, we, so Loyola Marymount, but every city and university has one, and they'll start up again when we can actually mm-hmm. be in a live audience. But even on the Zoom call, I'm glad you brought that up, Marsha, because you still have to be organized in your speaking. You still have to use those first three steps we talked about when people ask for your contribution. You still can't say um and well, especially on a Zoom call. You still have to use lots of energy in your voice, which is your word for the day. (laughs) And it's even more important on video because you don't have the body language. You don't have the vibes. You can't read the audience's vibes. But anyone can do a TED Talk, but you have to actually, it used to be really they were scrounging around and wanting you. Now it's like, oh, they have so many people that want to do one. (laughs) That's really interesting. Yeah, the only way you get on a TEDx stage is, you know, the six degrees of separation. Yes. Well, you probably know somebody who knows somebody who has to put a TEDx talk on. And then you'll get in. But you used to have to send a video of the whole talk. You used to have to, now you have to write an outline and you have to answer their questions and you have to do a one-minute video. Everybody has different criteria for how do you get chosen because now it's a big deal. They know it's a career builder. Oh, that's that's a new, really interesting, and, Mimi. And I love it because it's 12 to 15 minutes. Like they don't even want 18 anymore. Because people aren't going to click on the link of 18. They're going to click on the 12-minute one. And so every sentence has to be quote-worthy in my book. That's Well, with education as it is right now, and like we we do live very near each other, Loyola Marymount is actually walking distance to my house, and they're obviously close. Can you do any of this assisting coaching? with the students now, or is this something you'll just have to wait till the university reopens again? Huh. Um, coaching students. I've never really coached students. The TEDx talkers that I coached were either university professors um, oh. from there, people in the community. No, this isn't a student thing. TEDx is for prominent, wonderful people in the community, and you have to actually try out or know somebody. It's tough. Everybody wants to do a TEDx. Everybody wants to do one. It's exposure. It's incredible. You can put it on your website. You get, you have clips of it. You're in front of a live audience. They do a gorgeous two-camera shoot with beautiful production values. You're in a spotlight with a red circle. I mean, it's, it's fabulous. So it's, you don't pay them. They don't pay you but you get your product afterwards and you can do whatever you want with your TEDx talk. It belongs to you. Oh, I guess better than a keynote. So I guess (laughs) where I'm confused, Mimi, help me understand this part with LMU then. So what is your association with LMU? LMU wanted to do a TED, a TED talk, a TEDx talk day. And the woman I asked, how did you find me? as a speaker coach for all of the speakers. And Mm -hmm. she said, I Googled TED Talk speaker coach. And when you Google TED Talk speaker coach, my name is way up at the top. It used to be number two. Wow. That's how she found me. And so people reach out on my website. And for all you listeners out there, you can have a free 30-minute call with me. It's on every page of my website, including the homepage, MimiDonaldson.com. You go on it. It says sign up for a 30-minute call. You put your name in there. I give you a call back. We schedule, and I love it. I love talking about your speech more than anything in the world. That's what I want to do. I want to talk. If I had a series of 30-minute free calls all day long, I would love that. It energizes me. Your word of the I believe day. that. 
You know something? It does. I I tell people that when I meet a total stranger walking their dog who's now a, a, I've, they've grabbed my attention because there's so many of us are walking, I tell yeah. people, I mean, I, I'm, I'm doing it right now. My hand just went over my heart. And what I tell people is Aww. after that brief conversation with that total stranger, because it happens with my friends as well, but even more so with that total stranger, I use this visual. It fills my tank. Yes. It, makes, Ooh, it makes me so happy to be able to connect with somebody because you just plain started a conversation. People that know me know there's a lot about my style. You're always going to see me in a pair of chucks, and they're going to match whatever color I'm wearing. You're going to know that I love birds, and so if you see me on my social media, it's like, oh, my God, there's another freaking bird picture. I, you know, but it's just who I am, and, 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 it, and it's okay, and, I, and I've learned not to apologize for that. That's that's nope. just who I am, and what I'd be curious to know, because we you are very gracious and and it's really lovely that you offer these services, but what I'd like to know about Mimi the Mimi is how do you balance? How do where do you go to just balance out whatever it is that you do? How do you how do you balance your life? Oh well, I've always said. As I told you, my mental energy is very sharp in the morning. I don't understand people who do their workout in the morning. I respect them, but to go to, I've never been go to the gym in the morning and, you know, or do your miles in the morning. Mm -hmm. Uh, I did. I trained for a marathon. I thought I was a morning exercise person because I had to do it before I went to my job at Northrop. But I, I thought I was a morning person, and I am as far as mental energy. But then to balance myself out, with because my mental energy is intense, and then usually after a client call or even after this call, I will go and jump around and do what I call now bedroom Zumba. So I have um, these, there's this great stuff on YouTube you can find that are 30-minute cardio Latin dance Zumba classes, and I used to go to the gym every night at 4 o'clock, 5 o'clock to kind of get my physical energy up to match my mental energy. And so I still am an evening workout person, or even now I'm an afternoon workout person if I have a stimulating phone call like this one. Then I just want to run 10 miles. I just... I feel like my heartbeat, my everything's elevated. My endorphins are going. I'm I'm a little crazy. So in mm-hmm. a, instead of taking a downer or a drink or something to get me down, I would work out. I'll work out and get my exhaustion that way. And that's, that's how I've always done it. That's really so interesting to hear you say that because I would agree with you. You hear people describe themselves. They're a morning person or they're not yeah. a morning person. I'm a morning person. I wake up thinking about things. And if I remember my dream, which I did two days ago, yes. it catapulted entire day. My entire day followed what I dreamt about, and I put a oh lot of gosh. effort in. It's, it's so weird. You know, I, I realize that this is a show about you, but I, I sometimes I just interject myself, <laughs> sometimes a lot of times. I have had the same email address, my personal email address, since the get-go of email. Wow. I have decided to move myself into the Gmail world. How simple <laughs> is Marsha Whiteka at gmail.com? Hello. I know. But that involves letting all of these contacts know that that other email, that's the phonetic for how you say Waiteka, I'm not going to use that anymore. That became a huge process. And Mm. I'm finding myself like face planted and I'll say, oh, my God, have you been in front of the computer since 8 o'clock this morning and now it's 4 in the afternoon? Are you crazy? Get outside and get some air. Move around. Drink some tea and step away. So 
I recognize that that's part of my out-of-balance balance. And when I see myself doing that, I'll write myself a note. I'll set a timer mm. on my phone that says, uh-uh, I don't care what you think is so important right now. You have got to get outside. I don't care what cool. that looks like. You, you, you know, we, unfortunately, Mimi, you know, LMU is closed. I used to love to walk over to the campus. It's such a beautiful campus. And I can't walk onto the campus. It does not prevent me from going to other places. Grab my camera. I tell people I'm taking my camera for a walk. I'll be back in a bit. And take that picture of that pelican or that snail or whatever you think is attractive. And get out and get some fresh air because, frankly, while we have to stay safe at home, that does not mean that we cannot breathe some fresh air. Otherwise, we're going to get stale. Right. So, That's so you know, good. I, it, 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 and I mean, I love the very first time you and I met. We walked, we had a meal together, we laughed yep. through the whole meal together because you, my friend, are contagious. You're the kind of contagiousness that we want in our life. We don't want that other germ that's out there, but we could all use a dose of Mimi Donaldson. Because thank you, Marcia. You I feel the same about people, you. Thank you. Well, you know, and and when you say on your website, when Mimi Donaldson speaks, people listen. You are absolutely correct because and I say people, people listen, laugh, and learn. You know, and because they do laugh and learn, they do, and 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 it just comes so natural to you to laugh and learn. So I just want to thank you so much for for making this show personally so special for me personally, but also for those that are listening that might be thinking, well, now is the best time ever. Sure, I can clean out that closet or I can, you know, decide how old are those spices. Oh, my God, that says it expired in 1997. (laughs) Yeah, maybe you might want to toss that. But maybe you want to be a superstar. Maybe you want to write a book. Maybe you want to speak. Maybe you need to understand what vocal variety sounds like. Do you just talk like that all the time and it's like, oh, yeah, that's boring? Or do you know how to put the, 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 the life into the words? And that's what you do because you do it not only with vigor, but you do it with humor because you're so dang funny. And that's well, just the way you can't help it. That's just the way you were born, right? <laughs> no, no need to apologize. If you're gonna get nope. Mimi, you're gonna get humor. There's no doubt about it. When with that, the picture of you on my, on my social media with your hands up in the air, that is just you. You know, just <laughs> you know, take it or leave it. If you don't like this kind of energy, we're probably not gonna work well together. But if you want some energy, give me a give me a jingle because I've got it. I can share it. Right. It's packaged, bottled, and. Ready to go, ready to be delivered. That's who you are. That's true. And I just, I just want to thank you so much. I look forward to the time where we can hug and see each other again and Me talk about too. all those things that we enjoy. Um, I, but in, and I, you know, when you when you um, let me just tell you, when you do um, you hear it. I just did it. I heard it. So yeah. I'm going to take a pause and just say. Thank you so much, Mamie, for being my guest on this 250th episode. Congratulations. Thank you. All right, everybody, hang hang tight out there. And for those of you wondering, well, I wonder what her show is going to be about next week. I'm actually having two women and one man. They are all from the Flight Path Museum and Learning Center. And, Mamie, I don't know if you've ever been there. It's not far from LAX. It is closed I right have. now. Yes, yeah, so I'm having I'm having the executive director and two and two other people associated with the flight path that will be joining me next Monday, the 18th, to talk about the great things that they're doing there. So when people do come to town and visit, or those that live here locally, and it opens again, that can be on their to-do list. So that will be next week's show. But for now, I just want to. Bid you farewell. I look forward to our next conversation, Mimi, because this is this is just the tip of our iceberg, wouldn't you say? Oh, yes. Thank you so much. 
My pleasure. Everyone, go out there. I know I can't tell you to hug the one you're with unless the one you're with is living in your home. And if that's the case, hug that person like you just can't let go because that other person that you want to hug, you're going to have to hold off a bit. So until next time, everybody, have a great week, and bye for now.